Well, good morning. Good to see you. So glad you're here worshiping. Thank you, uh, team, for leading us this morning in that. We're going to turn our attention to uh, God's Word, as we love to do around here. Uh, it uh, has... Um, uh, life uh, for us. It has God's um, uh, instructions for us. It um, shapes us and changes us. And so let's open our word, uh, uh, the word of God, our Bibles open this morning with expectancy, uh, trusting that he's going to uh, show us something that we need uh, from him. Uh, so as you're uh, opening God's word, we're going to continue in our series that we're calling uh, The Weary World Rejoices. And uh, we've been in Isaiah for the last few weeks. This morning, we're going to jump forward to uh, the New Testament. We're going to be in First uh, John uh, uh, the book of First John. So if you uh, want to find that and begin working your way uh, toward that, as you're doing that, I just want to kind of give a quick recap. Uh, we had an exciting um, opportunity event uh, this past uh, week on Thursday night, we had our Christmas toy shop, and um, I've got one um, just kind of uh, picture for you to look at. We're going to get some more, uh, some more pictures and kind of share some more uh, stories of what all went down this past uh, Thursday. But I just want—I didn't want this this morning to pass without just saying a huge, huge thank you to all of those of you that gave. Um, our church gave so generously, and um, there were um, literally—I uh, think we had um, close to 300 gifts available. And um, so the way that it worked out is we had over—I think. 50 families that came. There's a few that weren't able to make it that we're going to follow up this week and try and get them uh, set so they're ready for uh, for Christmas. So um, there's still, still some some gifts and toys floating around here that we're going to uh, get out. But um, all the families were able to get um, at least one gift for each child. Um, there was some kind of stocking stuffer bonus kind of gifts available. And then everyone got a free uh, family board game um, to uh, to take home and, and to be able to play uh, together. And um, it, it just, it was such a cool night uh, together. And just the way that um, uh, it was an encouragement to the families that came. Um, we actually, there was another church that ended up jumping in with us, Christ Church, uh, here in uh, um, or in Madison, and uh, they uh, there's a professional uh, photographer that they had a connection with, and so he he came and was taking like great family photos. There were some amazing uh, photos being taken, and and uh, so many of you gave uh, gifts, many of you um, gave financially, uh, many of you came to serve and to um, help, and so yeah, it was just it was the first time we've ever done that. We've had the idea for a while, and uh, we kind of put this together over the last few um, few weeks. Honestly, it was about five six weeks ago that we're like, hey, we should we should do this, and uh, let's let's see if we can <laughs> let's see if we can pull it off and um, and so thank you thank you so much you know I think one of the things that's such an encouragement to me as a pastor is just to be able to um, kind of like present an opportunity, right? Present a need and then have um, say, hey, this is what it's going to take. This is where we want to go. And then the churches respond and say, yeah, we're in. Like, let's go for that, right? And just lock arms and let's do it. And uh, man, that's so much easier than trying to like pull and sort of urge and prod and kind of like, you know, try and get us along. So thank you. Thank you for um, just participating in that and being a part of that and um, look forward already to doing it again next year. So that being said, let it, let it just be known. We'll do it again. So if you see some amazing deal over the summer and you want to snag it or some, uh, some Black Friday deal or something, like just go for it. Um, it's, it's way too fun to buy uh, those gifts and, and yeah, it's, it's incredible. So um, well, we're going to continue uh, in our Advent series. Series, and we've now made it to our fourth week of Advent. And um, by way of just sort of uh, preparing us and, and kind of reminding us of what we're, uh, what we're looking at and what we're um, celebrating is, is what Christ has brought at Christmas. And so we've been um, lighting these candles. We've lit the, uh, the, the candle of hope and the candle of peace. And then last week we lit um, this pink candle, uh, the candle of joy. Um, and uh, this morning we're lighting our fourth candle, um, and this is the candle of love. 
And uh, these uh, candles, just it's a way of sort of reminding us and just symbols of, of what Christ has brought uh, at Advent, you know, what, what Christ brings. And, and so we'll be lighting this, this fifth candle, um, uh, the Christ candle, uh, at, at Christmas Eve and, and, and remembering that this is all brought through Jesus Christ. And so this morning we are talking about the love that comes at Advent. And uh, we've been sort of framing it this way, um, the weary world uh, rejoices uh, when Christ arrives and, and with, with what he brings. And we've, again, already seen uh, the hope, the peace, the joy. This morning we're talking about love for the weary. Um, we've said that uh, over the last several weeks that you could probably describe most of us, um, even though maybe things aren't going terribly, uh, many of us might describe our current situation as just weary right? It's just, it's, it's a weary times and we are a weary people. And, um, it is, uh, it has been a difficult, difficult season, um, to, uh, to live through and to live in. And, uh, what we're going to see this morning is a passage that reminds us and tells us, instructs our hearts of the love that Christ has given, the love that comes from God through his son, Jesus Christ. And uh, John's letter um, is full of pictures of God's love. It's, if you want to read, one, if there's one kind of book, one letter that you could go to in Scripture and you want to learn about God's love, First John would be it. And so we're looking at uh, just one of those passages here uh, this morning. And we're going to see these pictures, this expression of uh, God's love. Let's just do this. Why don't I just, we just jump into the text together? It, um, we're going to be just looking at three verses. I want to read it together, and then we're going to walk our way through it as we so often do here. Um, you can follow along in your copy of Scripture, First John. John chapter four, uh, verse nine, it says this. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Uh, this is a great passage for Christmas. You know, I think so many times we want to read the Christmas story, right? We want to read about the angels and the shepherds and the manger and the, um, you know, Mary and Joseph and making the trip. And we're going to do all that on Christmas Eve, okay? So if you're, if you're here for that, come back Christmas Eve and we're going we're gonna to look at, we'll, we'll go to Luke chapter 2, I promise. Um, but this passage, though, while not necessarily thought of as a Christmassy passage, this is what Christmas is all about. Right? Christ came at Christmas. And so why did Christ come? Christ is God's expression, his visible um, expression of his love. And what we're going to see is the way that God has expressed his love. And, and, um, and so we're going to see that in, in several ways from this passage. Uh, the first way that we see it in, uh, in that first verse there in, in 1 John 4, 9, is we see that love was shown brilliantly. Love was shown brilliantly by God. Let's read that verse again. It says, In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. That word manifest is a pretty important word uh, in this verse. Um, it means to make visible or to make known. Right? So the, the love of God was made visible or it was made known among us through God sending his son into the world. Let me kind of unpack and sort of explain the word uh, this way. Um, you know, we don't really use the language in this way, but in our house, uh, the presents that are given on Christmas morning 
are made manifest under the tree on Christmas Eve after the kids go to bed, okay? I don't know how it works in your house, uh, but we still have little ones. And so if those presents end up under the tree before Christmas morning, there's no way they're gonna stay unwrapped, right? Like, that, like there's just gonna be, we got a three-year-old and um, we can't get him to like not destroy things like that aren't supposed to be destroyed. And he knows what you do with a gift that's wrapped, you unwrap it, right? And so there's no way we're gonna do that. So they are all kind of hidden and sort of squirreled away throughout the house. Um, actually, our, our, our kind of go-to the last couple of years has just been to put them in Amazon boxes that are sort of just sitting around. Um, unfortunately, there's, there's far more Amazon boxes that I would like that arrive to my house um, then, uh, you know, maybe I'd like to admit. And so Amazon boxes are pretty common uh, to sort of see around. So if we have Amazon boxes sitting out, the, the presents inside, uh, we just had a wrapping night the other night. They're all wrapped. They're, they're kind of ready to go, but they're all uh, sort of in these Amazon boxes. And the kids know like not to play with it, not to open, not to like snoop. Uh, our rule is if you find it, you're not getting it. Um, so they, <laughs> they're like, you know, I don't want to do that, right? And so, um, so, so that's how it all is. They know they exist, but there's something different about when they come down, right? They go to bed, tree is bare, nothing underneath it, and then they wake up Christmas morning, come down, and boom, like Christmas, right? There's, there's presents, it's, it's like, what happened? This is crazy. There's, there's all of a sudden, it's, it's like, it's made manifest, right? It's visible, it's seen. Like they know, and they, they're hoping, right, that there's gifts that are floating around the house somewhere, but all of a sudden, they're seen and they're known. You know, if we want to carry the illustration further, we could say that it's even more made manifest. It's even more visible and known as they begin to open the presence, right? And even more so as they begin to play with them. They see what it is. They engage with it. Like they're experiencing and knowing the gift that is uh, there for them. So God has made his love manifest through the giving of his son, Jesus Christ. This is the love of God. So it's one thing, I would say, to talk in the abstract, right, about God's love and to say, um, and to say that he is, uh, that he is uh, loving, right, or that he, uh, he, loves, uh, he loves us. It's another thing to know and to experience God's love. And the way that he has, again, made it visible is through his son, Jesus, this is the way that he has expressed it, that we can know it. And so it's not just some abstract thought. There is concreteness to it. In the same way that we uh, see the presence, and they know that they're there, now all of a sudden we know that God's love is there for us. He sent his son down to earth. And that's a really important thing to understand. Notice what it says. It says that he made his love manifest, what? Among us. Among us. God sent his son into the world. See, he came toward us, right? We didn't have to go to him. He came to us. He initiated, he began, and, 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 and it was his work among us. Why? Well, it says right there, why did he do it? Why did he make his love manifest? Why did he send his only son into the world so that we might live through him? See, the reality is this, the, the God's word uh, teaches us that we um, are dead in our trespasses, in our sins, in our shortcomings. Uh, that we, the things that you and I have done have separated us from God and, and they have brought death upon our life. And so um, we are uh, existing dead in our sins. 
And God uh, did not make us to be dead in our sins. He made us to be alive uh, with him, in him. And so he needed to fix that and to change that. And so his plan for that, like this was part of his mission, his, his desire was that he was going to make us alive. And to do that, he needed to send his son into the world. Why? Well, it says that we are dead in our sins, that there needed to be um, uh, forgiveness offered. There needed to be, uh, the wrong was, was, was made and the wrong needed to be made right. And so this is how God showed his love brilliantly, by giving of his only son. That word only, um, it, uh, the root of it is from uh, the same place uh, that we get our word gene. Um, it kind of uh, speaks to the uniqueness of God, the way that they use it in kind of the English, the only, it's just sort of, it's, it's very special. Like there's not, God doesn't have another son. There's the one son. See, we understand God, uh, the God um, of the Bible is, is, is a triune God. That's the language that we use to sort of describe what the Bible um, presents to us. And that is this, that there is one God, but he exists in three persons, that he's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so you have God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and you have God uh, the Spirit. One God, three in one. See, the amazing thing is God didn't need us for relationship, for love to exist. Uh, Because within the triune um, God, within the the Godhead himself, within the Trinity, there is relationship. There is perfect love between the Father and the Son. And and that, that has never changed and it never will change. And so I think we need to be careful that we don't ever uh, sort of get on the track that God made people, he made man and woman, he made us because he was lonely, right? Wanted something to do, needed uh, some way to pass the time, right? Or some relationship. No, he's perfectly content with himself. And he has relationship there. It exists within it. And so he loves the son and he sent his son that we might be made alive through him. It shows brilliantly. You know, over the past few months, we've had several um, couples within the church that have been engaged. And if you've ever been around a newly engaged um, uh, lady, uh, she likes to sort of um, kind of, she kind of always is sort of arranging like, you know, the hand in some way that like that, that, that little um, rock or whatever it might be is sort of visible, right? It's like, oh, this, this thing? Oh, <laughs> you noticed that? I, I, I wasn't, yeah. Yes, that, that, yeah, right? And it is like when, it, when that first is given, there is such brilliance to it, right? It's, it's, it's shiny, it's, it's, it's like, it, and there is, it, it, it glimmers and, and you know it and you see it. Um, and then as time passes, right, what, what, what tends to happen is uh, some of you uh, ladies maybe can relate. You're like, oh yeah, my ring, I took that off when I was doing dishes the other day and I need to put that back on. It's been a few days, right? And, 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 and there's kind of that, that brilliance, um, so to speak, uh, kind of wears down. You know what, sometimes this is for us, um, we forget just how brilliantly uh, the, the love of God shines through his son. Um, would it be fresh for us? Would we understand it new? Uh, because God has shown his love brilliantly. Not just has he shown it brilliantly, but he has given it sacrificially. Love given sacrificially is what we see in Christ at Christmas That's the second thing if you're taking notes. Love given sacrificially. 1 John 4.10 says this. It says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, what this uh, 
what we're seeing here is it's speaking to the greatness of God's love. And I think there's three things that we see in this, three ways that we see the greatness of God's love in this passage. Can I give them to you? Can I show you what I saw here? It's, it's this. We see one of the ways that we see God's greatness of love is that God loved first. Right? God first. In this is not love. Not that we have loved God, but that God loved us. He loved first. So the, the love of God originates with God. He's not responding to anything that we've done. He, in his, own, in his own will, in his own being, his own choosing, like he is loving us first. And the thing that's so incredible about that is that he is the one who is offended, who is at odds with, right? We just said that, that there's a broken relationship there. It's our sin, our choosing, our falling short of his glory. And so we, in this relationship, in this situation, we are the offender, if you will, right? And so many times, if, if you and I are, are in, there's some offense, and there's one of us is the offender and the other's offended, hopefully it's the offender that you would expect, right, to initiate uh, reconciling. If after the service is over, if we're out in the parking lot, right, and I bump into you, you're sitting there with your car, and I bump into your car, you would expect me to get out and say, I'm so sorry, I didn't see you there, I didn't mean to do that, or I cut that a little close, I, you know, uh, let's exchange information and figure this out, right, and, and, and do all that. You wouldn't, what you wouldn't expect is for you to get out of the car and be like, hey, I am so sorry that I was there and uh, that you, you ran into me, right? Like, that's the, you're the offended. Now, if you did say that, my guess is you're saying that sarcastically, <laughs> right? Like, I'm so sorry I was there, like, you know. Um, but what we have, what God does is he is the offended, and what does he do? He sends his son, he expresses his love first. I think that's such an important distinction that we understand. We've done nothing. We've done nothing to deserve that. We've done nothing to earn that. God's not loving us because we're all that great. Any greatness that you and I have is because we are made in the image of him. He made us and he loves us as his creation. And so he acting first, initiating, originating, he gave his love to us. So God first, it's the greatness of God's love. The second thing that is so incredible about the greatness of God's love is God's purpose in his love. He's not loving so that he can receive or that he can get, although certainly he does receive glory from it, right? He is made uh, uh, and seen brilliantly from it, but he, he loves, his purpose in loving is to change us and to make us alive. That's what we just saw in verse nine, right? God sent his son into the world so that we might live through him. See, God's purpose is life and life eternal, and sometimes I think we, we maybe think about or focus on one of the two. We think that maybe God's love and his purpose for us is life here and now, like the life that we live now, and we forget that there's life eternal. Others of us, we know that there's life eternal, but we have no expectation for life now. But Jesus said, he said, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. And when he said life, what he's referring to is both the eternal and the here and now. See, God's desire for us is that we would know and experience and, and realize God's love eternally, right? In relationship with him, in his presence for all of time with no ending, no end in sight. But his desire is also that we would know and experience his love now. 
It's not just someday uh, sort of understanding, but it's a, a here and now understanding that we would experience life. And so some of us, we, we don't know this. We don't uh, feel this, this same life that's happening here. And my encouragement would be that God doesn't just desire to uh, have you experience that someday, but that you would know the life that God has for you even now, that he would actively be working and present and giving you, uh, supplying you that with what you need, reminding you of his presence and his love and his care and his, his purposes for you. So God's purpose is that he would make you alive and we are dead in our trespasses and you have been made alive through him. The greatness of God's love seen in God acting first in God's purpose and in God's cost. The cost that he paid, it was a very costly gift that he gave. Verse 10 again, it says, not that we have loved, but God loved us and he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. The cost that God gave was his only son. Now I love, I love you as this church, as my church family, church body. I love you a lot. I really do. Um, some of you have just known, others of you have known for years, uh, but I, I truly can say this, like I, I love you, but I don't know that there's any of you that I would willingly give up my child for as an expression of my love for you. Like when you really think about it, the weight of which God's love was, I mean, to give up the greatest thing to him, and let's be clear about it, Jesus went willingly, right? He submitted to the will of his father. He desired it as well. And so it wasn't just some, you know, dad kind of taking advantage of son. That's not the relationship that we're talking about, right? We can't import everything that we have uh, to him, but God gave up his son, for us to show us his love. What a costly gift. There is no greater gift that's ever been given. Now, I don't know if you give gifts in your, I already told the story, right, about the gifts that happen in our house. I'm not saying you have to, right? That's not, it's not like there's no one's required. There's nothing in scripture about giving gifts on Christmas. I just think it's really fun, right? I love giving, giving gifts. And so um, some of you might choose to, and I imagine it's a little bit, you know, less fun around your house on Christmas morning. That's okay. Um, but like, if you want any sort of reason to like, hey, why do you give gifts at Christmas? I'm like, because God gave the greatest gift at Christmas, Right, And so I'm just, I'm giving gifts because God's given gifts. And so um, that's, that's my justification, right? It's not, I'm not saying that you have to. I'm just saying that's how we do it. But God gave up a costly, costly gift. For what purpose? Why? Why did he give up his son? To be the propitiation for our sins. Now, my guess is that you have not been throwing that word around this morning in conversation, right? As you were coming in in the lobby, you're saying hi to people. You're not like, propitiation is not just like rolling off the tongue. This isn't a word we use a lot. But in fact, one of the reasons I do and really like the translation that we use here, it's the English standard version that I'm preaching from that we um, so often use, is because of this key, like there's a couple words that it's hung on to that have some depth, that have some meaning, and this word is one of them. Propitiation. Uh, means, let me just give you a definition, it means the appeasement of wrath. And so God has wrath towards sin and sinners. And the reality of the situation is this, is that you and I cannot propitiate God's wrath on our own. You see, we have sinned and we are um, guilty of sin and we are needing uh, for that to be uh, propitiated, for it to be appeased. We need to make some sacrifice for our sin. 
And in many ways, you know, through many religions and, and through the centuries, like it, it speaks so many uh, uh, different, um, you know, sort of versions of trying to appease a God's wrath, right? That, that, that there needs to be this appeasement and, and what does man need to do? What does woman need to do to, to appease the wrath of a God? Well, what the Bible says is that there is a righteous wrath from God and it needs to be appeased, but the way that that is appeased is not through anything that you and I can do. Uh, Anselm said it this way. He says, only man should make the sacrifice for sin. Only man should make the sacrifice for sin, right? It's our sin. We need to make the sacrifice. We need to appease it. But only God could make the sacrifice for sin. Because in our sinfulness, we have nothing to offer. We are guilty. So Jesus is where the should and the could are united. Jesus could make the sacrifice, and Jesus came because he should make the sacrifice for us. As man, fully man, fully God, Jesus was able to do that which we are not able to do, and so God's wrath is appeased through the giving of his son. Let's just unpack that a little bit more, because this is such a good word for us. This is, this is the richness and the depth that we need to understand Christ coming at Advent. There's sort of six things going on within that word propitiation. Can I give them to you? If you're taking notes, write down this. Propitiation includes God's holiness. So we understand and we know from God's word that God is completely other than you or I. He is holy. He is perfect. There is no blemish. There is nothing wrong with him. He is not like us. And he is holy. And in his holiness, all sin, anything that falls short of who he is, is an affront to that holiness. It's offensive to him. It, it's... It's, um, it's against his character and the nature that he um, is and, and who he made us to be. And so his attack on his holiness. And because of that, we see the second thing that's contained in that word propitiation, it's wrath. And we don't love to like think about, focus on, um, and many times churches are even kind of moving away from ever mentioning the wrath of God. If you attend a church that never talks about God's wrath, I would really encourage you to find a church that, that preaches the whole counsel of God's word because wrath is not a, a, a hidden sort of uh, mysterious thing that, that's just in some obscure passages. It is throughout scripture. What is God's wrath? Well, it's his settled disposition against all sin. We can understand it as anger toward not just sin, but also sinners. If you've ever heard sort of love the sin or love the sin or hate the sin, that that's what God does. That's, that's not what God does. God has an anger and a wrath towards sin and sinners. Don't believe me? Psalm 5, 4 and 5. For you are not God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. Psalm 11:5. The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Merry Christmas, right? <laughs> Merry Christmas. God's wrath, his settled disposition against all sin. You see, the reason that we need to talk about it is this is the place that you and I are in. We are born this way. We confirm this with our actions. This, this, this is how God is, be, not because he's just kind of a grumpy, um, you know, uh, sort of um, reactionary being, but because of his very nature and who he is in his holiness, this is how he must be toward sin. It's wrath, it's, it's a hate, it's a despising of it. Settle disposition toward it. But here's the incredible truth 
of what God's word says is he's not just, there's not just wrath, but there's also justice. That's the third thing. Justice. God is just. And so sin must be punished. And sometimes we want to, again, explain away this, but we, you and I get this. We understand this. We know this. Unfortunately, there's been far too many examples of, of evil, right, of tragedy that's been lived out, um, not just in our world, but across, or not in our country, but across the world. I think back, I mean, and I could pull, point to any one of them, but, but you think back to the uh, one that I think is just so senseless. There's that, that, remember the, the shooter that was in Las Vegas and just was kind of shooting into the crowd, just like randomly, just shooting. And there was death, and there was injury, and there was chaos, and there was tear, and there was all of that. Not one person, I think, in this room thinks that that shooter should just go free and be able to do whatever he wants to do the next day, right? Every one of us would say, no, no, you need to give account for that. Like, there needs to be justice given. If you're gonna do that, then there needs to be a penalty for that. We get, we understand justice. The problem is, is where that justice is applied and what it's applied to and how it's applied. See, we want justice so many times for others, but the reality is, is that we deserve justice for us. It's our sin which was against God. It's our sin which is deserving of God's justice. And so God is just. Sin must be punished. And this is where the fourth thing, mercy, comes in. Mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. God is willing that sinners do not receive all that they deserve for their sin. See, it's possible God made a way that sinners would not receive that which they deserve. Why? How? How did he do it? Well, that's what Jesus is all about. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but he loved us. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to appease the wrath. It was his mercy. He's not pouring that out on us. He's pouring it out on his own son. He's, he's giving that to Jesus and he's pouring that out on Jesus. And so this is the mercy that we see in God, not giving us what we deserve. And this is the fifth thing. It's an example of God's love. See, God is love. His very nature, his character is love. Any understanding or any kind of expression that you and I have of love flows from him. It extends from him to all people. He loves all people. And you're like, wait a second, I thought he hated sinners. How can he love all people? See, both can exist. Like he, he has this anger toward sin and sinners, but he also made them. He made them in his image. And it says that he loves. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. And so both can happen at the same time. He can both hate sin and the sinner, and he can love you and I. He can love the world. He can love Sinners, even in that. You see, there's anger and there's his love being lived out, being played out right here, which is the sixth thing, grace. It's when God does something that we cannot do on our own, it's getting that which we do not deserve. It's the other side of the coin from mercy. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Grace is getting something that we don't deserve. None of us deserve God's grace, his His. Um, his forgiveness, right? His gift of his son. But God did something we can't do on his own. He's given us something that we don't deserve. See, this is the propitiation that we see. And, and I think this is what we need at Christmas time. 
Because right? we love, we love, again, to look at that baby, we look at, look at the manger, look at all that, those parts and pieces, but this is why Jesus came. It's for the propitiation of our sins, your, your sin and mine. We need a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. And he is willing that none should perish, right? But all should come to repentance. God's word is clear. It says that any who call, all who call on the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. And so if you hear this and you're like, man, that seems harsh. Like, who is this God? I'm just telling you, that's his character. That's his nature. That's who he is. But he's made a way that his justice is appeased, that his wrath is appeased, that his holiness is not, uh, is not uh, uh, betrayed, and that his love is fully expressed and his grace and mercy is pulled out. All of that happens in Jesus Christ. How? Well, Jesus was born as a man, fully man, fully God. He lived perfectly never sinning, and went to the cross. He was nailed to a cross. His blood was poured out. That was the sacrifice given for the forgiveness of sin. This is how we are reconciled to our God, is through the work that Jesus has done. And he rose three days later, and he is now living, seated at the right hand of the Father, on the throne of God, and it says that he is coming back to receive those who know him as Lord and Savior, to live with for all of eternity. This is the truth. This is the reality of, of Scripture. And so many times, though, I think, if I'm just honest, I don't know if this is your problem, but I'll just share mine. So many times I think my response to God is, yeah, but what have you done for me lately? Right? Yeah, I, I know all that, but God, what have you done for me lately? And the answer to that question is a lot, actually. Right? God's, God's actively working. He's actually doing things. Um, there's a lot. But that's the wrong question. Or maybe it's not the wrong question, but it's asked in the wrong way. Because we're saying like, yeah, I get all that, but I, I, I really want more. The reality is, is that God is still giving. Like he's actively present working in your life in so many ways. If you start looking for it and seeing it, you can see the hand of God moving and working in so many situations and things around you. I promise you, you can. I mean, God's word says that even the breath itself, right? He sustains our being. He upholds our life. So each day is a gift from the Lord. How is our body working and moving and, and functioning in this way? It's from the Lord. Like he, he is the author of life, the giver of life. But the reality is this, is that if God doesn't do one more thing for me, him giving his son, him making me, reconciling me to himself is enough. He is such a great God. His love is so great. His love was given sacrificially. What an incredible sacrifice that he gave. And we see this at Christmas. And the third thing is this. The third expression, the way that we see God's love here is that love is then shared generously. Love is shared generously. Verse 11 says this. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Beloved, John just reminding the reader, right? Beloved, you who are loved, you who are loved by God, if God so loved us, then we ought to love one another. And so many times I think we get this twisted in our minds. We think that we love or we need to love, we need to show love so that God loves us, right? Or that others love us or that we, we love to get, right? But God in his in his grace, he loved us first, and we love not to get love from him, but because he loved us. And this love is then played out in the lives of other people. 
It says, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Well, what does that look like? How do we love one another? Let me just give you two sort of directions to go with that. The first is this. Love for others, I believe, begins and starts in the household of faith. And by household of faith, I mean the church body, right? The church family. Galatians 6.10 says this. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See, we are called here to begin right at home within the church family, within the church body. If we can't love here, if we can't be loving toward one another, then how are we supposed to do that outside of these walls, right? Outside of these doors. But we are to begin here. And love means that we are, we are like long-suffering. Like go, if you need a description of love, uh, go back and read uh, the, the love chapter in 1 Corinthians. Now that love is, 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 is just made perfect. You can sub in that word love for Jesus and you see that Jesus is kind. Jesus is, is patient, right? Jesus is forbearing. We, we see that, but, but that love uh, that we have for one another, it, it, it involves offense, it involves forgiveness, it involves patience. It doesn't expect or, or know that this is always gonna be perfect and easy. And in fact, it, it kind of gives a picture that that's gonna be kind of hard sometimes. But this is where it begins. It begins here. And the more time that you're around here, the more that you're engaged with the church family, the more that that love is going to build and to uh, develop, right? Some of you I've known for years, others of you I've known for a short amount of time. But there is that love uh, that exists within the family of God. We are brothers, we are sisters together in this place. And so we call this family City on a Hill, but we are part of the family of God, right? The larger family. And so here within the household of faith is where the love uh, for one another must begin. But it doesn't stop there, it doesn't, but it, it goes out from these doors. We are called to love those that we encounter, wherever that might be. And so we've, we've made it a real point to say, hey, we're here in this neighborhood, in this community, and so we want to be loving toward that. That's why I love, and it's what, a great, what a great Sunday to come in after and just be able to say, like, listen, we loved well through that Christmas toy shop. Right? People knew and, and felt and understood the love of God. That's our hope in that. See, our, in Matthew, where our name comes from, it says in the verses just after it, it says, um, so let your good works be seen before others and they will in turn give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's our desire, is that in loving well that people would be drawn to the love of God and they would see that in that. And so we don't always do this perfectly, but we are called to pursue after it and to try and love each other well. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. See, when you understand the love that's been given, you have the desire to give it generously to others. Let me just give you an example of this. Um, you know, sometimes uh, you see something, you see your kids do something, and it's like kind of proud, proud moment. You're like, oh man, that's awesome. They're getting it. Um, one of our daughters um, had uh, gotten a gift. Um, I think in the first service, I said it was a year ago. My wife corrected me, it was two years ago um, that she got some gift and it was taking up a little bit of space. And, and, um, and, and, and the deal was is that we had gotten some insane deal on it. Like it's a pretty uh, kind of pricey gift, but, but it was like way, way discounted, super, super cheap. And so we were able, it was like top of our list. And so we were able to do it, kind of make it happen. Um, but it was taking up space. Right? And so we're, like, we're trying to sell her on the merits of, hey, what if you were to like sell this? We could list it on Facebook Marketplace. Well, we can get some money for it. Actually, we can get quite a bit of money for it. We'll sell it kind of based not on what we paid for it, but like the full value of what it would cost today uh, to be able to, uh, to get it. And she, you know, we convinced her. And so she, we listed it, it sold quickly, and she now has, like, I think, more money than she's ever had like at one time in her possession. 
And she's just blown away by it. She's like, this is awesome, right? Like I have, I have all this cash. And you know what she does with it? You know what she wants to do? She has been buying all of her sisters and all of her friends and everyone like Christmas presents. We're like, sweetie, this was a gift for you. Like you can hang on to this. Like what, what do you want? Do you want to buy something? And she's like, no, I just really want to kind of give it away. Like she just, and I'm like, I'm so challenged by that. I, I get it. Like, I, I see this as a picture of like, oh, she understands. She's like, I did nothing to earn this or get this. And so this money was given to me. What a gift, what a blessing. And so she's like, I want to turn around and I want to give it to other people. And so she's like buying presents for, for friends. She's buying presents for a teacher. Like she's just kind of shelling out cash for, for everybody that she can. And it's, it's incredible. But why? Why is she doing it? Well, she understands. She's like, this was, this was a sacrificial gift given to me, who am I to hang on to this? And so she wants to share that with others. Listen, church, that should be the motivation for us to love. See, we don't do good work so that others would see us. We do good work so that others would see the love of God. We do good works for others. We love others because God loved us. If he's loved us that way, then why, who are we not to love other people? And that love is not always easy. That love is, is hard. It takes work. It's messy. It's not always comfortable. But this is what God has done for us and we are then called to do for others. Let me, just, let me just conclude with this. I think this is a thought that we just need to kind of camp on and remember. The, the whole of scripture, the truth that it teaches us is this. Just a good reminder for us is there is nothing, there is nothing that you can do that would make God love you any more than he does right now. You are loved by your heavenly father fully. And there's nothing that you can add to that. But the reality is also this, is there is nothing that you can do that would make God love you less. So that we are known and we are loved by God. And that expression, again, we do not love to earn, we love because he has loved us. That's why it says in verse seven, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. When we know the love of God, then it will flow out in our homes, in the walls of our workplace, on the streets of our neighborhood, right? And just the relationships that you and I encounter, that they would see and know and experience God's great love, knowing that nothing that we're doing is adding anything to it, but we're just recipients of it. God, we praise you for who you are at Christmas and the gift that he's given. He's so good, so good to us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your great gift. God, your gift of love through your son, your only son, Jesus Christ. God, we acknowledge and just understand uh, the shortcomings that you and I, God, that we have before you. And Lord, we know that in that, God, in our sinfulness, God, in our wrongdoing, Lord, that you sent your son that you might make us alive to redeem us, to make us new, to restore that broken relationship. God, thank you for the gift of Christ to the world. God, you love the world and you gave your son that whoever believes in you shall not perish but have eternal life. God, I pray I pray that we would receive that life. Lord, we want to respond to you. 
And so my prayer would be, God, for anyone who has not yet received you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day. God, that we would stop our striving, we would stop our running, that we would stop our struggle and understand, God, that you have already done perfectly what we could never do on our own. Jesus, thank you for the gift of your love for us. I pray that that would then flow out into every nook, every cranny, God, every crevice of our life. Would you do that work? God, we know we need you to do it because we fall short all the time. God, transform us. Continue to remake us into more and more loving people. God, reflecting the love that you've shown us. We pray, we receive that. God, we thank you for it. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen.